0: So hello, this is Kim Davis and welcome to another DMN one-on-one podcast. Very pleased to welcome today Anthony Laracy, who's founder and principal of Industria Creative. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Kim. It's good to be here.
0: Very pleased to have you with us, especially some of the topics we're planning to talk about today are really live topics like today, this week, this month. And we'll come on to that exciting stuff, but first to lay the groundwork. You're an experiential marketer. Yes, I am. And the word experience is everywhere these days. So sketch for us what the concept
1: of experiential marketing involves. Yes, without question. And it is very much this entity uh, that I think at one point was a topic of education, Mm -hmm. uh, both for clients and other agency folk. And in recent days, uh, very much to your point, we find it to be uh, something that is at the heart and soul of many brands and their campaigns. And so why is that? It is a few things, I would say. Uh, First, thinking about how we as consumers interact with brands. And we always start with the clients that we service. And I'll give you a couple examples as we get into our conversation. But a big picture, breaking down what the brand experience is and how the product or service of that brand has an effect on consumers and what it is that we want consumers as a result of our marketing to think, feel, and do. So that is the heart and soul and and it touches all disciplines within marketing. But I think as we start to bring focus to this thing that we call experiential, uh, we find the values and benefits of especially that feel part of the think, feel, and do. Because this, as uh, we are emotional creatures, as we, even in this digital age, uh, still have Uh, a need, a desire, um, uh, an area where we find value in connecting with people, with like-minded people, uh, with connecting with our uh, good memories, uh, with with living with our aspirations. So all of that is emotionally uh, charged, and that is a result of experiences, live experiences. So though we may borrow some of the best practices, I like to think, from other marketing disciplines, uh, whatever we do, we have to be on brand, just as in uh, general advertising and brand development. We're also responsible for delivering on uh, business objectives, so results, yeah. uh, good old-fashioned direct marketing, which is actually where I started, <laughs> okay. uh, and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. So it really is this emotionally charged experience. There's, there's no other medium that allows a brand and a consumer to connect with that live experience, the dialogue, the exchange, the interaction, the, the engagement.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I guess we started in direct marketing too, and we've come a long way. Yes. But it's something I've heard from a number of people I've spoken to this year. I think of the author Tara Nicole Nelson. I think of the branding expert, Eric Joachimsthaler, who I just interviewed. And they're saying that it's no longer about competing with a better product at a better price and attaching a slogan to it. These days, it's, it's important to build a community around a product and that's mm-hmm. what it seems to me you're talking about, a community where they can feel that the product or service or brand reflects, as you say, their aspirations, mm-hmm. their self-image, um, how they understand themselves along with their friends and like-minded people.
1: It's a new age, isn't it? It is. And we see this especially in the travel industry right. and we've seen so many of the um, bigger, more traditional, if you will, hotels with their uh, spin-off, more boutique driven hotels. And we start to break things down with the experience, and this is what we're talking about today, with, especially in today's audience, and not only uh, the good millennials, but Mm -hmm. across range of of consumers, uh, what is expected and then what is rewarded. So we, in, in the example of the travel industry and specifically hotels, what is expected is now an environment that is more conducive to my lifestyle. So what does that mean um, for um, many of these generations? We'll talk millennials. Yeah. Um, it is a cooler decor. Mm-hmm. It is certainly the Wi-Fi and the communal spaces, as as we see in the Ace hotels, uh, using oh, yes. smartphones yeah. instead of traditional keys. It's it is some of these elements and yoga classes and and uh, some wonderful um, added benefits uh, that just come with the experience of staying at these hotels. So there's no upcharges. There's there's no um, additional fees associated with these experiences that are built into what is otherwise a room for the evening. So we see that's happening, and and I think it's starting to uh, be felt certainly among other industries as well. What is that experience? What is the retail experience? The retail experience has certainly changed dramatically as well. And with some of the Um, specifically fashion retail clients that we service, and and we have a niche in in luxury and uh, prestige with Fendi and Dior, Montblanc, etc. We are thinking about what that looks like and what that feels like. What is the emotion that we want the in-store experience to to solicit? And it does come into this idea that we as consumers, putting back the consumer hat, want to feel that. The experience of going to stores fresh and new and relevant and incredible and and, and memorable and um, having an opportunity to create uh, an ever-changing, ever-evolving environment within uh, a store is something that we're working on with many of our clients so that each time a, a, a customer comes in, certainly it's for the merchandise that he or she is there to purchase, uh, but it's also for what the bigger brand experience is and yeah. what my connection is and what feels new and different and relevant to me.
0: That's really clear. The, the Ace Hotel example really strikes home because I I was in the lobby of the, the Midtown Ace Hotel here just a few days ago. And, of course, when you're coming to New York and you need to stay here, you want a clean room at a decent price, which is a challenge in itself. <laughs> but so when But when you go to someone like the Ace Hotel, uh, one of their competitors, you're also saying, I'm the kind of person who fits
1: in with this environment and with the other people yes, yeah. And that's a huge selling point for me. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And we take that into consideration with the work that we do in experiential for our clients. And I mentioned uh, we do have a niche in in, in luxury and prestige in this, in this beauty, fragrance, and fashion category. Uh, but we do a lot of work in entertainment as well. Uh, so HBO and FX are, are two of our core clients within that uh, category uh, and so on and so forth. So even if... Outside of our retail clients, outside of the Dior shopping experience, outside of going into a Fendi store, uh, with an HBO, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, finding itself uh, at the foundation of programming. Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting for us then to explore how we create those experiences, um, and specifically with them, we get into the multicultural world, which is which is incredibly exciting for us, right. and we just. Um, are still enjoying some of the uh, successes and benefits from, uh, if I may give an example. Yeah, sure. Uh, we, if you're familiar with Robert Mapplethorpe, oh, the photographer. Yeah, yeah. So for um, those who may not be as familiar with Robert Maplethorpe, a wonderful photographer of the 1980s, um, quite controversial yes. in his day for the subject matter, or what the perception of the subject matter of his work yeah. was. And so the first feature length documentary uh, the photographer was made uh, by a gentleman, uh, Fenton Bailey, amazing uh, filmmaker, and as an HBO property, and one that was going to be, as a result of the core community following Robert Mapplethorpe's work and life, uh, something geared towards the LGBTQA plus community. Yep. Sure. So how do we have... Uh, a film, an intangible, uh, a somewhat controversial story that is being told, and funnel that, translate that into a consumer experience where we have those things I mentioned, the relevance. How do we have a live experience that is relevant to the community that we're speaking to and the credibility? Why is it that HBO and Fenton Bailey are producing this documentary? And of course, my favorite is doing something memorable because if it's not memorable, then why bother doing it at all, right? So after lots of brainstorming and exploring, we... Uh, devised an experience that mimicked the Robert Mapplethorpe style approach to photography. So he was known, uh, and we learned so much about this wonderful photographer, uh, that he led this dual life, if you will, his uptown work and his downtown work. His uptown <laughs> right. work yep. on any given evening in New York, he might be at uh, a, a wonderful gallery and showing his work of still life and, 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 and statuary works and, and these wonderful black and whites. And in the same evening, um, as the evening progressed, he would go downtown for an underground exhibition yeah. of what could be coined the downtown work. So that which was a bit more provocative and explicit. Yep. So there's this wonderful duality to his work and the uptown folks had no idea that downtown was going on and yeah. vice versa. Very New York. Very New York. <laughs> very 80s, very <laughs> street photography yeah. and such. So how do we take this intangible idea and pair that with the artist's life and story and still be true to the documentary style. So this is our business challenge. Of course, we want people to tune in when the documentary finally did air on HBO. So what we devised was a mobile art gallery mm-hmm. of stacked shipping containers. And on the exterior of these stacked shipping containers, we projected his uptown work. Right. So in public settings and in more of the family-friendly environment, wonderful montage of imagery It was enticing and encouraging for people to come and check out and uh, begin the dialogue with HBO. And for those who chose to go in to the stacked shipping containers, we created a digital art gallery Mm -hmm. of his downtown work in a semi-enclosed viewing pod, uh, digital work, and with an editorial approach as you work your way from uh, gallery to gallery within the shipping container, the images that you were taking in became more and more explicit. Right. So we really wanted yeah. that visceral reaction, we wanted this non-tangible to have a true reaction on the emotions of those consumers who are being a part of it. The cool thing was we uh, had the good fortune of partnering with the Robert Maplethorpe Foundation, yep. so they provided some imagery that had never been seen before, it was okay. rarely seen by the public. So if you were interested in photography, if you were specifically a fan of Robert Mapplethorpe, etc., there was that added value, there was that uh, greater anticipation and need to be a part of our, our experience. So we launched in Miami at the Miami International Film Festival, worked our way up north to New York and then had it all the way out west to San Francisco. And just gave careful thought to the markets, the communities, again having that relevance and credibility, and, and a memorable experience uh, for the queer community, mm-hmm. and doing some screenings along the way, and, and some and some panel discussions, and really making it a um, educational and an inspiring and informative, rich experience that gave just enough of the artist's story that we want people to tune in. Uh, But really, within the multicultural division of HBO, um, in addition to what the general marketing practices are, it really is, and this speaks volumes to the stance that HBO takes, an opportunity within the multicultural world to have an authentic, meaningful relationship with these these communities, and just not the the queer community, also within the African-American, Asian-American, and Hispanic groups as well.
0: Yeah, and a great example, because you're doing it, by creating an experience, mm-hmm. not just by putting some relevant clips on YouTube or whatever. You're actually
1: drawing people together and providing an experience which people can share. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, there's often times, um, I actually teach at NYU, I'm on faculty uh-huh. at NYU, and really what I get into uh, when the students start asking about experiential versus the other disciplines within marketing, among all the things we talk about. I love to bring the topic back to engagement Yes. and the idea that, though vital, the other disciplines within marketing don't have nearly the engagement uh, length or depth that we are offering with Experiential because okay. we are not a 30-second spot. Yes. We are an experience that you may come and spend 10, 20, 30 minutes, 90 minutes, we may have a pop-up shop. Uh, We've done some wonderful temporary experiences for Old Navy, uh, for Fendi, where we may have consumers come in and just as I was talking about our model to the permanent retail experience is changing, we use that same methodology and approach to temporary experiences, the pop-up shops, yeah. so that we do want consumers coming back time and time again, and each time they come back, it's a different experience in a different environment, and, uh, and additional ways for us to engage, to message. Of course, at the end of the day, it, it's about sales as well. Of and of course, the ever-important buzz that we, that we need to keep uh, continual.
0: Okay, that's a great exposition, but because time's our enemy, I think we need to change gear now. Yes. We'll talk about let's flip it over and talk about the other side. Bec- and I, I'm going to be bold and use an example which is very alive right now, of where experience can go wrong. The Today Show. It explicitly marketed itself year after year as a family experience, America's mm. first family. What damage it does then when something like the Matt Lauer story comes out? Now the experience economy and experience marketing has to take account of the possibility that experiences
1: just come apart for the audience. Mm. And that's something you help clients guard against, isn't it? Oh, Without question, without question. And the foundation of the brand and the experiences that we create must have the authenticity, and it is about trust, just as any other relationship, right? This is a relationship a brand and a consumer, but it is based on fundamentals that we, uh, as consumers, with our with our emotions as we've been talking about, our souls and our minds connect with the brand, so it has to be an element of authenticity, of trust, and one that is built over time. So, interesting example, Mm -hmm. and I will be very interested to see what plays out in the next few days with the NBC example, Mm -hmm. and how they um, first take responsibility, and it is, I think perhaps in this particular example, uh, an even greater opportunity to take a fundamental shift in the way that these organizations, and it is a brand at the end of the day, yes. to your point, change policy, uh, change the mindset and change their internal environment. And of course, the brand experience always starts internally and uh, trickles down to, um, to the uh, consumer experience, but it has to start with the brand and what it stands for. And I think it also just comes back to this criteria that we talked about before. What is it that the brand stands for? thereby the experience, and is that relevant? And and in this case we're getting into some uh, damage control, and it is going to take some fundamental shifts, I think, to regain the trust, uh, regain the confidence of their consumer base, the viewers. It's
0: about trust and reassurance. Do you agree that uh,
1: the experiential environment
0: just raises the stakes here? Because when when you're simply a brand selling a product and putting it on billboards, on TV ads, that personal connection to the brand wasn't the main thing you were offering but the more you offer the sense that the brand is part of your
1: your life, part of your everyday life. It raises the stakes when something goes wrong. It certainly does. And unlike my peers and other disciplines we've got one shot to make it right. (laughs) So when the curtain opens, when the lights come on, when that mobile tour lands in your market we've got to get it right the first time out and it's got to be perfect. So It is a different set of nuances uh, in this discipline of ours, and I have been fortunate to have worked in other disciplines in my in my career, and it's the one that's the most exhilarating. And as I said, our, our, our third um, in, in our three um, uh, points of criteria is doing something memorable. So this is the fun part. This is where we do... Um, seize the opportunity of the risk of a live event Mm -hmm. uh, because we do want to have that impact, that deep impact, and and really cause that visceral reaction among our targets. So we thrive on it. When it works. When it really works. (laughs) 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 Okay, it's a high
0: note to end on. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.